Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome the next generation of players. So if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL Draft is officially open. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I am Trevor Sikama. With me is Benjamin Solak. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinct designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sustained and sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful diamond ring launching exclusively January 18th at BlueNile.com. This exciting limited edition collection of diamond rings launches January 18th and you can only preview it over at BlueNile.com. Today's episode of the podcast is going to be a lot of fun. As I say that as if other episodes of the podcast aren't fun. I have the time of my life doing this podcast. Hopefully you guys have the time of your life listening to it. But what Ben and I are going to do on this podcast is we're going to be going over our 2020 all-rookie teams. But we're doing so looking back at the all-rookie teams that we drafted against each other before the season. So I found the old sheet. I put our what I guess you would say like first team, all rookie teams uh, right next to each other, but then side by side with the list of guys that we picked before the season. And uh, there's some good picks. There are also some very bad picks that we made (laughs) before the season, but that's always the case. Before we get into it, Ben, my friend, how are you? Oh man, everything is delicious. Yeah, in my head I was like, we knew what we were talking about back then, and we... Did not. I mean, we, so, we kind of did. There's we a, did not. There's a couple of there's a couple of picks that are pretty good. Oh man, I got Neville Gallimore, Ross Blacklock. Hilariously, I <laughs> nailed offensive line. I can't remember if this was the draft. Like, I can't remember what our strategies are. I wish we had a pick log. We just have the rookie teams because, like, yeah, we went. Back, I let we you have both of the big interior time. defensive linemen, and then they were. <laughs> I have Gallimore and Blacklock. Like, I wonder how we went about it. I can't remember who I picked first in it. Yeah. I think I might have gone offensive line first. Obnoxious that you have Jalen Hurts as your all-rookie team quarterback. Woo! I hate you. <laughs> Pre- that was pre-draft. Or preseason, I should that say. Was, yeah, that was preseason. And I, I, I'm pretty sure because you picked Burrow. And yes. because Burrow is your quarterback that you have on this list, I picked Jalen Hurts just as the last pick of the draft to spite you and, you know, make it fun. And here we are. It didn't totally not come true. I mean, Jalen did end up playing. I'm not gonna say I was the cat. I'm not gonna say it was. I'll the be honest. So, like, it. I had the I had the fun experience. Uh, as everybody in the listener, as everybody who listens knows, I, I may gamble on sports a little bit. I had the fun experience of mm-hmm. uh, NFL gamblers of right when the regular season ended and the clock struck zero of having a bunch of bets finish for me, right? And I had like forgot about some of them. And I was tracking a lot of them and like oh, oh win yeah. totals and whatever. And I was going through it, and I there was a bet that I lost, and it, it was a pretty substantial bet. And I was like, shoot, what is this? And I clicked it, and it was on Jalen Hurts not starting a regular season NFL game in oh, 2020. Oh, no. And I just made I'd made it. I I'd, I'd immediately pulled the trigger on it because like, there was no way he starts. Like They didn't draft him to start. They drafted him to sit. They said Nate Sudfeld's QB2, da, da, da. And I just made it like in like June and just forgot about it. And then I was like, ah, cool. <laughs> well, 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 if it isn't the consequences of my own action. Of my own actions okay well let's start let's start with quarterback uh, in the preseason I obviously drafted Jalen Hurts and you drafted Joe Burrow so we neither of us have Joe Burrow as our first team all rookie quarterback but Burrow would probably no I mean like he would he, he would be the second team guy he would be the next guy there so you almost get like half a point for that but both of us have Justin Herbert Justin Herbert was our rookie of the year from the quarterback position 4,300 passing yards, 66% completion percentage, broke the rookie touchdown passing touchdown record with 31. 31 and 10 touchdown to interception ratio. I mean, he was brilliant. Yeah, they finished with a 6 and 9 record with him. But, I mean, there, there were so many reasons outside of him, really, mainly coming from the blunders from the coaching staff, that were the reasons why the Chargers didn't have more wins than they did. Justin Herbert put them in position to win every single week, and he was fantastic he was unbelievable he was one of the best rookie stories all year yeah it's a warranted question to be like if joe burrow had 
uh, hung around. Like if, if you've been healthy for the whole season, how much of a, a challenge would he make? Like I think I think a decent one. But I also, I mean, like I don't know how you dis- how you went about putting your team together. But for me, it was simply uh, the truth. I want. Yeah, I, I was like, I just want to write about the, the players who I thought were most impressive as rookies. And to me, that was Justin Herbert. Like Burrow executed the way I expected him to execute. And he was good in that role. And they had a couple close games that they could have won. It could have looked better on the, the win-loss sheet. And they got to figure out protection and so on and so forth. But like he was what I expected him to be, and I'm pleased with that. Herbert was leaps and bounds of what I expected him to be. Leaps right. and bounds over what I think the Chargers expected him to be. Yeah. Uh, and for him to perform as maturely as a rookie as he did, when he did not, in my opinion, show that maturity so evidently in college, uh, what was extremely impressive. So mm-hmm. I do think at the end of the day, a healthy Burrow makes it a conversation, but I would have imagined that uh, uh, Herbert re- would remain all rookie QB one just because he was he was sensational. Yeah, I think even the path that we were on uh, before Burrow got hurt, it would have been it would have been Justin Herbert's award, and uh, of course, I think that Joe Burrow would have finished with a really nice rookie season. It wouldn't have been Justin Herbert's rookie season. So both of us had Justin Herbert uh, winning this one for the quarterback position in the preseason. We picked two different running backs, and most. All rookie team lists only have one running back and then three wide receivers. We did two running backs and two wide receivers. So it's a little bit different. But the two running backs that I had in the preseason were Jonathan Taylor and Cam Akers. You had Clyde Edwards Elaire and J.K. Dobbins. Shoot, I mean, if Dobbins wouldn't have been in such a crowded running back room, we might be talking about something different here. But in the awards that we're giving out here and now, I picked Jonathan Taylor. So that was one of the running backs that I picked before. The season, you picked James Robinson, the undrafted rookie out of Jacksonville. And so these are, I mean, they, these are two guys that, like you said before, had. if you're just wanting to note incredible seasons for an undrafted free agent like James Robinson to break the mm-hmm. UDFA rushing record the way he did with over 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns, 240 carries. So, I mean, like he was carrying the workload for him. That was amazing. I just, I gave it to Taylor because now I know the 250 game at the end kind of overinflated his stats at the very yes. end. But, you know, 1,169 yards to end the season, 232 rush, rushes, so about the same as what uh, James got. But uh, 11 touchdowns, 11 rushing touchdowns, and a higher yards per attempt average. I mean, I, I gave it to Taylor just because I think that he had the better year, even though what Robinson did as an undrafted free agent should absolutely still be praised. And I, I am glad that you gave him his props. Right, that's that's the thing is you can you could not have made the strong Jonathan Taylor over James Robinson stats argument until the final game of the season when Jonathan Taylor faced the 31st run defense DVOA in the Jacksonville Jaguars, absolutely ripped them to shreds, and James Robinson sat on the sideline because Jacksonville wasn't trying to endanger him slash win the game. Sure, right. All right, Robinson in 14 games produced roughly equivalently he was he was not as good but generally as equivalent to jonathan taylor over 16 games robinson also immediately stepped in and won the job right robinson's success expunged leonard fournette i mean they were kind of looking to trade leonard fournette anyway but they felt so good about this udfa that they they traded they got rid of fournette they cut him uh reichel armstead went on the COVID list and they were like, yeah, we're just going to ride with this UDFA. It's going to be great. And it was immediately. And he was right. high impact week one. Right? That that opening couple week performances, he was catching the ball week one against the Colts. And you're like, who is the, what the, James Robinson? Really? And like, he was so mature. Right? I, I talked about maturity with Herbert. He was so immediately ready for a, a three down wor- uh, workload. Right? Carrying the ball as a bell cow. Catching the ball in the backfield. Being good in pass protection. Furthermore, his season is objectively more impressive than Jonathan Taylor's. It, uh, I guess not objectively. In my opinion, more impressive than Jonathan Taylor's. Because he did all this production while not having, you know, 4-4 four, four speed at his size. He's a 4-6-4 four, four player. If if Robinson could just, like, rip off a big run, the amount of holes he created for himself, the amount of space he created, and the, the way he maximized blocking, he would have had unbelievable production. And the reason he was UDFA and Jonathan Taylor was a top 50 pick was because Taylor has that speed at his size. But you watch Taylor film in the beginning of the year, and he was struggling to maximize blocking schemes to read defenders the way that Robinson was doing immediately. So, like, I thought about it for a second. 
but I really, to me, I was like, Robinson impressed me more this season. I think that Taylor was a better prospect, is the better player, will be the better prospect going forward because of the physical ability. But what Robinson did was nuts. I'm not sure he'll be able to do that again. It's very, very difficult yeah. to play that maximally at the NFL level, make so few mistakes. But, I mean, it's a good it's a good interior line. He's a smart cookie. Uh, so shout out to James Robinson. I thought I, I wanted to give him props. Yeah. It was just, it, to me, it was just I, he deserved it because he was awesome. And sure, you can make the case for Taylor, but I'm going to make the case for Robinson. Right. There you go. And, and, I, and I like that. I do like that approach. And it, it's not, you know, when you have things that are this or that, I'm glad that there's a difference in the different kinds of rankings and award systems. Because, you know, like Pro Football Focus does this one. I know The Athletic does it as well. We at TDM were doing one. Ben obviously did this one for us. And so I'm glad that it was different. You know, I'm glad that James Robinson got his props because even if it was close, a lot of the, I think all rookie teams out there are going to edge Jonathan Taylor. That's why I did it. I just think that he had the better objective season, like in a vacuum, but all context included. Yeah, James Robinson's right there. And you can make an argument that, like you said, it's almost even more impressive. When I looked up the next-gen stats, uh, Jonathan Taylor was facing 8-plus in the box around 30% of the time. James Robinson was about 20. And when it came to uh, rushing yards per attempt over expectation, Jonathan Taylor's was still higher than James Robinson's. But still, those are all just the little things that kind of made me think, all right, I'm going to give it to Taylor. But I also probably, if you would have given it to Taylor, I might have myself gone gone with James Robinson just to give him the shout-out, especially on this podcast um right. what do, do you want to say something else or are we moving on to why i was just gonna say yeah this is, doesn't matter there's no money we don't we're not in charge of things if we were in charge of things maybe we'd be like all right i have to give it to john taylor i'm not in charge of things so i'm gonna give it to Aim robinson and no it doesn't matter people are like this is ridiculous i'm a person i'm just a dude who thinks rookies are good like i just robinson's good shout out james robinson and guess what if i don't make jonathan taylor rookie of the year that's not gonna impact jonathan taylor's career at all so there we go. Wide receiver. So there were three wide receiver spots that were given to the all-rookie first team, and we only had two that we picked. I picked before the season Jerry Judy and Michael Pittman Jr. Michael Pittman Jr. kind of struggled with injury, and, and Jerry Judy struggled with, well, Drew Locke being his quarterback. Uh, you, on the other hand, knocked it out of the park. Hello. Uh, you have Justin Jefferson. And you have CeeDee Lamb. And two of the three wide receivers that you picked for your all-rookie first team are Justin Jefferson and CeeDee Lamb. The other one that you picked... you have CeeDee Lamb on yours? I didn't. And I didn't for almost kind of the same reason. Collusion. We're going to get into that a little bit. And no, 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 no. I'm giving you full props for for picking (laughs) CeeDee Lamb. And you totally deserve it. Obviously, we both have Justin Jefferson. We both have Chase Claypool. I went with T. Higgins instead of CeeDee Lamb. But there was between T. Higgins, CeeDee Lamb, and Brandon Ayuk you could kind of look up different stats and context for how they played and the teams that they are playing for to where you could go, okay, yeah, this is really impressive for every guy. And so I gave it to Higgins because as A.J. Green really struggled, I think this year a lot more than the Cincinnati Bengals thought he was going to, at least with, you know, certainly with connection with Joe Burrow, if nothing else, Higgins was able to step up. And so like talent-wise, I still think he is behind Claypool and CeeDee Lamb, maybe even Brandon Ayuk. But for the season that he had in the context of like, yo, they were probably really hoping that A.J. Green wasn't going to fall off a cliff as much as he did. Higgins played really well for them um, when they needed him to. And so I wanted to give him props here, a lot like you gave James Robinson props in the running back category. And deservedly so, yeah. One of the one of the big umbrages that I got was no T. Higgins. And I was like, I, I would have been so fine with T. Higgins being a uh, uh, first-team rookie receiver. Justin Jefferson was going on for me, no question. Of course. I had people resist me on Claypool, but I thought Claypool was had a firstly not only had like a critical season, but also, you know, Jefferson fills in this uh uh Stephon Diggs absence, right? T. Higgins gets on the a wide receiver room that doesn't have much vol- much uh, uh talent. You know, AJ Green's injured to start the year. Like there was a role for Higgins. They drafted Claypool and we were like, How are they gonna get this guy targets? And Claypool was like, I'm gonna just take them all. Like I'm going to become the primary <laughs> deep threat in this team right. now, yeah. you know. And it was like like the what Claypool was able to do for a Steelers offense that A couldn't really throw the ball that far down the field and he was being a vertical receiver. And B had two, maybe three, arguably James Washington receivers ahead of him on the depth chart to start the season mm-hmm. was to me laudable. And then yeah, with Lamb and with Higgins, production's fairly equivalent. Uh volume is is a little bit uh skewed, but still I think it's like it's it's roughly equivalent. They're both impressive. I gave it to Lamb. I thought that Lamb had not only had more impressive film, uh Lamb did what he did 90 plus percent of the snaps from the slot, which he played in the slot a lot at Oklahoma, 
but not like people weren't coming out projecting him as a slot receiver. People were like, oh, he's going to be an X, he's going to be a Z. Uh, he took on a, a rather new role relative to his college usage and constantly being lined up in the slot and working a slot route tree. And he, he picked it up very quickly. Uh, and to me, that, that was an impressive feather in his cap. But yeah, I mean, T absolutely deserves the love. Um, and then there was uh, there was one more on my second team. Oh, frick, who was not it? Ayuk? I was like, not Ayuk, somebody else. Oh, Ayuk, yeah, people people wanted me to have Ayuk. Ayuk, there. the thing was that Ayuk just had a really incredible week 7 through week 15. Like, his his receiving yard total f- between those two weeks was mm. 115, 91, 75, 95, 119, and then 73, actually, in, in week 15, right. so I almost left that out. Like, he was incredible during that stretch. And so, you know, it was, it was big time in the second half of the season. He averaged... Um, he averaged 62.3 yards per game, and by math, you have to average 62.5 in order to get 1,000 yards. And so, like, obviously, he didn't play the whole season. So it was funny. He was, like, he was just below that 1,000-yard mark when it comes to an average per game. And so, I mean, he he, he had a big shout-out year, but I wasn't going to put him in over T. Higgins. I just wasn't. Yeah, no, my I, my I remember now. My conflict was looking at Jared Judy and Lavisca Chenault for wide for wide receiver six, really, like the last spot on my. So like second team, you mean? Yeah, my second team, oh, okay. which Judy outproduced him, but also Judy had the drops, and I feel like you know Judy they really with the sun injury needed Judy to be a wide receiver one, and I don't think he fully hit that billing. I know he, he volume stats look great, he got some explosives at the end of the year, um, but I I think like largely you're okay with Judy's performance. It wasn't exactly what you drafted, whereas Chenault. You know, stepped in as a as a round two pick, and obviously was was versatile for them, was effective for them. He also came on pretty strong at the end of the year as well. Uh, I ended up putting Chanel in the flex, but that that was an interesting conversation for me. Uh, what stands out to you is the receivers drafted early, Henry Ruggs and Jalen Rager, who did not in any way, shape, or form make that list, and the need both those teams have, mm-hmm. uh, Las Vegas and Philadelphia, for those receivers to set up step up, pretty big deal. Yeah, they got to be better next year, no question about it. Ben mentioned earlier in the podcast that uh, he's a betting man. If you are a betting person, there's only one place that we trust, one place that has you covered no matter what sport you are looking about, whether it is football. You know, you got the wild card games coming up in the NFL. You got one final big game in college football. Of course, there's MLB at some point. NBA is just tipped off. NHL is about to drop the puck. BetOnline AG has you covered. Sign up today for a free account over at BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, one word, LOCKEDON, for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you will get a 50% welcome bonus with whatever your first deposit is. Let's go to the trenches now. Let's just do a clean sweep of the trenches. We divided it up a little differently we went offensive tackle, offensive guard, two offensive tackles, two offensive guards, and then a center. In reality, the awards really just go two offensive tackles and then three interior offensive linemen, probably as it should go. So we probably should have done that. I <laughs> I picked a lot better along the trenches than you did preseason. I'm just going to say it. I got Jedrick Wills. I got Tristan Wirfs. I got Damian yeah. Lewis, I got Jonah Jackson, and then I had Cesar Ruiz as my center. You had Andrew Thomas, Mekhi Becton, which Mekhi Becton, of course, want to give a shout-out to him. Mekhi Becton had a great year. Matt Hennessy, Solomon Kinley, Lloyd Cushenberry III. So, yeah, I wiped, yes, the, floor. I lose. I wiped the floor with you on this one. I, yeah. <laughs> we, both, of our, yeah. both of our offensive tackle picks for uh, postseason awards was Tristan Wirfs and Jedrick Wills. So neither of us had Mekhi Becton on there, but... I mean, I'm, I'm sure I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's not exactly a slight to what Makai Becton was able to do. When, when I on put the, the team together at first and I sent it to some football people yeah. and just be like, yo, do I feel like I'm missing anybody or overlooking anybody obvious? The number one resounding piece of feedback I got was Jets fans are going to kill you for not having Becton. Yeah. I have not heard a word from Jets fans. Oh, I mean, Worfs so and I don't Wills know. have been so good. Yeah. They've been so good. You, on the interior offensive line, had Jonah Jackson, Kevin Dotson, uh, I had Kevin Dotson on mine as well. You had so I I did steal this from you because you have Michael Onwenu who started more games at right tackle for the Patriots mm-hmm. than he did on the interior, but he also started the season at guard and played both left and right guard. So yes. I wanted- I put Onwenu as an interior offensive lineman so that I had a way to get him on the first team. I'll admit right. it. Right? No. Right. <laughs> I'm fully I, fixing it. I'm I am one 
hundred percent with you. I want because I have Onwenu on my interior offensive lineman as well, and you could have put Jonah Jackson in there. I could have put Damian Lewis in there, but like it is, it is much more important to me to give Michael Onwenu the shout out for the year that he had than it is to even say like, hey, Damian Lewis is pretty good. Hey, Jonah Jackson was pretty good. Onwenu was awesome at every spot he played in, and so for that, I'm with you totally. I wanted to give him the shout out here. Yeah, I. Uh... It, it's tough to land on the interior guys because, again, the best interior offensive linemen you don't think about and you never hear and nobody ever talks about them because it means they're doing their job and nobody's looking at them. Right, um, <laughs> right. Right, so we have a, a, a largely different... We only have Kevin Dotson and Michael Nguyen who shared. Uh, you have Tyler Biadas. I have Jonah Jackson in our postseason ones. Uh, Jonah Jackson just played left guard two weeks. And they're like, shoot, we need you right guard. Played right guard for 14 weeks. Did not miss a snap until week 17 and was rock steady. Oh, it's very, very good for Detroit, who, like we talked about, has been good at drafting interior offensive linemen over the last couple of years. Uh, he deserves that love for that consistency. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, Damian Lewis, who I really liked his performance at guard, we remember what happened when Lewis got put in at center, which obviously Jackson didn't get moved to center and didn't have to deal with snapping, which he had done before. Uh, but for Dame Lou, like, that move sucked. Uh, you know, that, that that was tough for him to, to deal with that. Cesar Ruiz was up and down. Lloyd Cushenberry was up and down. Jonah Jackson, to me, what do you want in your guard? You want to start him and then never think about him for 17 weeks. Yeah, Just, sure. You know, oh, 100%. Jonah Jackson's playing guard for us. That's right. Uh, and that was, for me, what he got over Cushenberry, over uh, uh, Solomon Kinley, over, over uh, Cesar Ruiz was that plug him and forget him ability, which is so nice to have, even in a rookie. Jonah Jackson. Fun prospect. Uh, it has been a good pro so far. Yeah, I'd be oddish as, as my guy here, but that was really just more of staying true to the center position that we picked. If we're going full right. interior offensive line, I'm putting Jonah Jackson in there above be oddish, no question about it. So we would have honestly, we would have had the exact same offensive line, three of those guys as I had on my preseason when we did the draft there. I, I've got to think I picked those guys first. No, I think I picked Derek Brown and Javon Kinlaw first because I looked at this interior defensive line situation and I was like I don't know who's gonna make it if I don't get these two guys so moving over to the defensive side of the ball preseason I went with Derek Brown and Javon Kinlaw as my two interior guys you went with Neville Gallimore and Russ Blacklock I have on my list Derek Brown and Raekwon Davis you have Derek Brown and Javon Kinlaw so after a really slow start to this season, when I say really slow start, I guess I'm only talking about the first game or two. For Derrick Brown, he really started to get into his own. I think that he led all rookies other than Chase Young on the defensive line in QB pressures. So he really kind of just started to come along after those first couple of games when he was getting his feet wet, and I think he played really well. And then Raekwon Davis, I don't think he had any sacks, and I think he only had like two quarterback pressures, but like, dude was what we thought he was going to be at Alabama. He was just an anchor. He was a big hoss in the middle doing his job and I think like you said with interior offensive line those guys that they don't get a lot of recognition because they're not making the flash plays they're not standing out on the stat sheet but that's the beauty of it you don't want to have to think about them because they're doing their job so well and you got other guys making plays around them I feel like that was Raekwon Davis to me and an important Miami defense in an important spot how about the arc how about the circle for Raekwon we went he went from potential round one player DeForest Buckner, if you can improve the the pass rush, yeah. hands are getting better. Yeah. So that final season, just being like, oh man, he just does not have pass rush juice. You know, this this guy's now he's going to be a round two player. He's going to be a day two player. How are you going to get him on the field? What's like you know, like how many snaps can he take? Drafted by Miami, like oh, that's a good fit for him. They obviously have already a couple of players in the interior defensive line. Is this going to work for him? To taking over the starting nose tackle job across the course of the season being dominant up front and having exactly zero sacks. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just, right, I, ain't, right. I ain't here to rush the passer, baby. We're to eat some space. Right. Uh, right. It's a great fit, like you said, right? It, it, like, you know, he's, he's doing the dirty work for that that Miami defense inappropriately. So so it's kind of a he is what we thought he was situation, but perhaps a he matters more. He's more valuable than we thought he would be uh, situation, which, you know, 6'7", 330 over the center. Yeah, that's a, that's a bear to deal with. But to me, Kinlaw's uh, uh, box score isn't great, but every time I watched him, and it was not dissimilar to the way he was in South Carolina, there were five plays a game where I was like, "Mother mercy, how is this a real person?" <laughs> like you just, there's way like he's ripping NFL offensive linemen out of the ground. You're just, oh my heavens, he to me the, the peak plays on Kinlaw are still 
bananas. And you might say, like, all right, he was exactly what he was in South Carolina. It's all peak plays. He's inconsistent right now. And sure. But to me, looking like he does against the NFL, as he did against South Carolina, shows improvement. It shows growth. Because a player like Kinlaw, if he was the same, South Carolina to the league, would have gotten bullied a lot more than he did. Like, I think he is stronger. I think he is faster. And so it still looks like it does at South Carolina, but with another year, uh, two more years, you continue to figure out how to land those hands. You continue to figure out when you're going to get, you know, pressure keys, down blocks, so on and so forth. You get smarter and the game slows down mentally. You're going to see more and more peak plays from Kinlaw. So to me, he had to get it because I just love watching his film so doggone much. But Raekwon deserves the uh, the nod for sure. Yeah. No, it, it's going to be a bright future for Javon Kinlaw. There's no doubt about it. Even if Raekwon, I think, had more of a stand out in his job kind of a rookie season Kinlaw was awesome I, I think that when you saw the flash to Kinlaw you know that it's going to be a good career for him edge rushers defensive ends guys who rush the passer on the defensive line we both had Chase Young obviously we also both had Alex Highsmith now going into the season I had Yida Gross Matos played okay Josh Uche was the other edge rusher that I picked you had Chase Young and Caleb on Chase on so you got the Chase Young point here but Alex Highsmith Alex Highsmith is a guy that came out of nowhere, really stepped up after Bud Dupree's injury, and man, he got a fan. He, he had a fan. You would be hard pressed to find an all rookie team that did not have his name next to Chase Young's. And so I, I did like. I, I tried hard to find somebody else to put there besides Highsmith because I was like, he just hasn't played enough. Like I should give it to somebody who's been a consistent starter. And I looked at the edge class, and I was like, no, it's him, <laughs> right? Right, and and. So over the last five weeks, in which he's been the starter uh, after the Dupree injury, yep. he's got 13 pressures, which is second only to Caleb on Chase and among rookie rushers. They both have beat out uh, Chase Young. And I put Chase on my second team very intentionally because he did not play well to start the season at all. It was bad. And he's still growing. But a lot of people did a, a big you know, dance on the grave. Like, oh, we told you, you know, uh, unproductive, oh, athlete, did multi-years, did not get. Yeah, let him chill for eight weeks, and you really started to settle in for Jacksonville. So I think we're going to get a good year, too, from Chasen. But for Chasen to start, be bad, struggle, game starts to slow down, starts to play a little bit better, is good. But it's better for Highsmith to be a situational player, to get like 30% of the snaps. And then be thrust into a starting role and immediately be like, yes, I'm ready to perform, right? Like, they are both they both peaked at the end of the year, but Jason was getting a lot of snaps. Obviously, he had some taken away as he was struggling, but Jason had the opportunity to, at the beginning of the year to play as he played at the end of the year, and he couldn't. Mm-hmm. Highsmith had his opportunity. His number was called, right? His bell was rung, as Mike Tomlin said. And Heisman was like, yeah, screw it. I'll just be Bud Dupree. <laughs> I'll just be a critical edge, too, and the best defense in the league. It's no problem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's been bananas. He's still got work to do as a run defender. He's a little undersized. Yada, sure. yada, yada. But it's awesome to see. No, he's still coming from that like situational role. He played. Yeah. He only played more than 30% of the snaps twice before week 13. Twice. Week 10, he played 32% of the snaps. Week 8, he played 30 and other than that, it's, it's basically le- below 20% was his normal number. It's funny because his first sack of his career came in week nine in a game where he only played 12 snaps. <laughs> One of the snaps he gets yeah. in and he gets a sack. So, no, was that the Cowboys game week? Um, hold on, I just clicked out of it. It was the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was a good, it was a quality, not quality rush, but it was a good effort rush too. He was reworking his hands, retracing his path and everything. And you were like, oh, do this more. Then he's like, yeah, I'm going to do it all the time. Okay. Awesome, dude. Big shout out to him. Linebacker. All right. So we picked three linebackers uh, in the preseason. We picked three linebacker spots. I went with Kenneth Murray, Malik Harrison, and Zach Bond. You went with Isaiah Simmons, Patrick Queen, and Willie Gay. This is where I put the flex spot because I like in, in your. Right. Uh, all rookie team and in basically every other all rookie team that I saw, they have two linebackers and but then like there's no room for a flex spot because we picked three and because Jeremy Chin is both of our quote unquote like flex winners. I just put Jeremy Chin here. All right. So, and Chin basically played linebackers. So. Yeah. So uh, it, it made sense. So we picked Jeremy Chin. Other than that. Uh, 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 who? Wasn't a good linebacker uh, class coming out. Like, Not a good linebacker <laughs> class now, baby. Like, you have you have Patrick Queen and Jordan Brooks as the guys that you picked. 
I have I have <laughs> I have Michael Walker, Mikael Walker, and Jordan Brooks, but with question marks behind their names because I'm just like I don't. They weren't good. Patrick Queen was graded as the second lowest linebacker in the entire NFL by Pro Football Focus. Is that a little harsh? Yeah, probably. But still, I mean, it just like goes to say, like this has not been a standout linebacker class. Simmons went better as the year went on. Jordan Brooks was fine. You know, I just, I, it's, it's, it was hard to find those guys who was really like you were super confident with. Yes, I'm giving this guy an all rookie honor, and I feel good about it. Okay, so Queen and Brooks. I don't like mm, neither one deserves to be rookie first team, right? I think that neither one did, like came out and performed the way you were hoping they perform to give them this award. I will say Seattle with Brooks is probably plenty pleased with the fact that they brought him in. Uh, a lot of you know we talked about how he looked much better at coverage film in 2018 versus 2019, and they got him in that role successfully, and he's looked good. Seattle puts a lot of coverage responsibilities on their linebackers. He's succeeding. He's playing with a lot of speed, which is what they need. Is Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright get older and don't play as fast? So I think they're they're happy with that. Queen Baltimore is also probably still happy with what they got at, at that pick value as well. They get him one pick after Jordan Brooks. Uh, he's been wild aggressive. Queen, uh, what's been awesome for him is in a bl- very blitz heavy role. He's been great there. Are, uh, I know that like among rookies, he's got them like, you know, I don't think anybody else has his blend of TFLs, sacks and full on tackles, right? Like he's been productive at or near the line of scrimmage ball, uh, you know, in the passing game and against the run. And a lot of that has to do with the scheme. Brooks needs to become better against a run right now. He's he I mean, he, he's violent, but right now he doesn't know what he's reading. He doesn't play as fast as he needs to. Queen needs to is transitioning from a Dave Aranda defense to a Don Wink Martindale defense. It's like, Hey, cover uh, numbers to numbers flat. It's like impossible ask. And I mean, he's got to get so smart in zone coverage and he was a smart zone coverage defender, but he's got to uh, become better in coverage relating to routes quickly at NFL speeds. They both have stuff they need to work on. They were the best linebackers. Uh, Michael Walker was good as sub package player. He, just, uh, he didn't play a lot. You know, like he, he was great in yeah. his role. Like Walker was really good in his role. That's why I picked him to give him a shout out here, but mm-hmm. He wasn't one of those full-time linebackers like yeah. Brooks, like Kenneth Murray, like Patrick Queen, those guys. Yeah. I picked Chris Barnes as well. Uh, and you might be listening to this, but who the heck is Chris Barnes? Yeah. Also us, none of us evaluated Chris Barnes coming out. Uh, it was a seventh round pick at linebacker out of TCU. I believe it was seventh round pick. Uh, he won the third linebacker job, second, you know, dime linebacker job to start the season for Green Bay was seeing an increase in snap counts after Christian Kirksey went down, was playing very well, and then he got injured. And so Kirksey stepped in to replace him. Now they're both healthy. They kind of split snaps over the last couple of weeks, and Barnes has taken over the starting job. Barnes is now officially, like, he's, like, Kirksey now is the second linebacker. He's the dime linebacker. Barnes is is the first linebacker out there. Uh, And he'll play with Kamal Martin on running downs as well. He is really quick. He's what they wanted when they drafted Orton Burks, which... The Orman Burks pick made no sense to me at the time. He's what they he's what they wanted in terms of that linebacker they can put on the field. He'll still be successful enough against the run to pass, but it's the ability to be uh, quality against the actual pass on first and second down, on early downs, that Mike Patton values. Uh, so Barnes, uh, a little bit of injury, not initially a starter. Box score doesn't look so good. But when you turn on Packers defense, which has been playing better against the run in recent, recent weeks, Barnes' quickness has a lot to do with that. Corner. I picked C.J. Henderson and Damon Arnett. Those are the two corners that I selected in the preseason. You picked Jeff Okuda and Trayvon Diggs, the guys that we actually selected postseason. We have a unanimous Jarius Snead, the cornerback from Kansas City. Then I have Cam Dantzler from Minnesota. You have Jalen Johnson from Chicago. So two different guys here with Dantzler and Johnson. I guess I'll give a shout-out to Jarius Snead first. I mean, he was fantastic. I'm looking at PFF stats right now. Allowed just 214 passing yards into his coverage on 45 targets. 53.4 quarterback rating, which was the third lowest of any cornerback to be targeted at least 30 times, only behind Bryce Callahan and Zaven Howard. But he also played both inside and out. 164 snaps uh, on the outside and then 171 snaps inside in the slot. So he was a mm-hmm. unanimous for us. But why did you pick Jalen Johnson for the other guy? 
Yeah, it's just really funny because I feel like when Jalen Johnson was awesome to start the year, I was like, we should all be this chill out like this, maybe not too much. And then Johnson, you know, kind of settled back down a little bit, uh, you know, started to experience the expected rookie roller coaster. And largely you get you get it everywhere, but you also get it in a big way at cornerback. And now I'm like, hey, no, Jalen Johnson's still pretty good. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you, it's funny how, how things change. Uh, Johnson season long production, right? I mean, he had 15 passes broken up. The majority of them came in the beginning of the season. And then he, he lost a couple games with injury. And over the past few weeks has not been as successful, has given up yardage when targeted. With that said. Dantzler has done the opposite, right? Dantzler started the season. We were like, oh boy, these rookie corners uh, for the Vikings. You know, he won that job over Gladney and it was like, right. all right, like, you know, this is, this is going to be a, a bit of a rough ride. Like they're going to probably rotate these guys in. Gladney had to play because of injury. Like, oh, this is going to be tough. And across the season, Gladney's improved, but Dantzler is really the one who stepped up and has been that corner one. He's been more productive in the back half of the season. So you look at the two of them and you say, all right, who had the better overall work? I still think it's Johnson. Uh, because the early season is certainly inflating his stats. And you you can argue arrow pointing down for Johnson, arrow pointing up for Dancer. Maybe Dancer would be a better pro moving forward. But on the full breadth of what they did as a rookie, I was more impressed with Johnson. I will also say that we've seen a lot of corners go through Minnesota and have productive seasons under Mike Zimmer. And then, you know, a lot of them sometimes tail off. Uh, and then there's been some volatility there for Minnesota. The Pagano defense is not easy. For a cornerback, and they played Johnson at corner one uh, the entire year, right? Dancer kind of didn't have that job, and then he did, and then he didn't, and he did. Uh, I think it's tougher to be a rookie in a Pagano defense than a Zimmer defense at corner, personally. And so I, I also feather in a cap for Johnson on that one. But if you disagreed with me, I'd, I'd get it. You know, they're not both of them are tough defenses uh, to play in. I like Jalen Johnson, like during the draft process. So you giving Jalen Johnson props is uh, not something that I'm going to fight you hard against. I, I went with Cam Dantzler kind of just because of how he's finished the year, really, when he came back from injury in week 11, I think it was. And he, he just has been playing so well since, been playing a lot more confident. You love to see that in a corner. Safeties. I picked Ashton Davis and Kyle Duggar before the season. You picked Antoine Winfield Jr. and Kayvon Wallace. We both have the same two safeties here postseason. We both have Antoine Winfield Jr. And then we both have... Cameron Curl as well. So Winfield Jr., I mean, he's been such a great chess piece for defense coordinator Todd Bowles and, and, and Tampa Bay's defense. They've used him all over as a free safety. They've used him in the box. They've used him off the edge. And I think that just, you know, even beyond the stats and the production that he's had in all those different spots, being able to play all those spots, you know, like having a veteran defensive coordinator trust you with that in your rookie season, I think is so, so important uh, when it comes to evaluating how a guy does in his rookie season because Safety is one of those positions that I always feel like you need you need experience from. You've got to be able to see stuff. You know, you got to be able to have recollection sure. in your mind of, oh, you know, when an offense is lined up here, here's where the ball could be going, or this might be the route combination, or this is where I should be to complement this zone coverage next to me. All of that comes with so much experience. It's so hard to start, play, and play well as a rookie safety in the NFL, but I feel like Antoine Winfield Jr. has shown confidence throughout, as has Cam Curl. He started every single week for the Washington football team since week nine. They've played him in a variety of different spots as well. He's a former seventh-round pick guy, and so huge shout-out to him as well. Obviously, he wasn't a starter as soon as Antoine Winfield Jr. was, but going from, mm -hmm. almost like James Robinson, right? I mean, like going from being a late-drafted guy and, and earning the trust first and then earning a rotational job and then earning a starting job, I mean, that has been Cameron Curl's progression the whole time, and I think both of these guys are very worthy of the uh, first-team all-rookie honors for 2020. Yeah, I got heat for no Cam Curl, man. People were people were upset. Like Washington football, you know, vibing a little bit on the uh, the uh, divisional championship. Uh, impressed with their defense over the last few weeks. They're like, yo, Cam Curl's the man. Cam Curl's been good. He has. He's taken the majority of the snaps since their bye week. Uh, impressive box player. Mm, couldn't do it over over the the uh, Jeremy Chin, Julian Blackman, Antoine Winfield triumvirate. Man, those guys have been nuts since we. Yeah, I, I misspoke before. I thought that you had Curl on there, but you have you actually have Julian Blackman on there. Who? I, yeah, yeah. I mean, Julian Blackman's had a great year as well. And I did struggle with you know talking about what impresses me and what doesn't impress me. Uh, safety in in Everflus's defense is not as as tricky as as it can be in other spots. And Cam Curl had to do a lot more man coverage in the box, which is a tough trait. 
uh, than Julian Blackman did. So I gave I gave thought to it. Uh, Winfield for the instincts, for the ball playing ability, for playing deep middle was going to happen. Uh, Jeremy Chen, you know, half of his snaps at free safety, the other half at basically linebacker, unbelievable sideline to sideline range. The defensive rookie of the year talk was definitely overstated, but he also deserved the uh, the nod to me for sure. Blackman and Curl was where I had the majority of my paws. Uh, and I gave it to Blackman. Curls uh, is, is impressive. Uh, Curl and Jeremy Reeves, who was a, a UDFA from a couple years ago, being now the starting safety duo in that defense and 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 succeeding, uh, being both impact players is really, really awesome. Speaks to the development you're getting under Jack Del Rio. Uh, so shout out. You know, Cam Curl was he was probably my toughest out on the first team. Him or, him or Jonathan Taylor, because uh, I really do think he's he's been key for them. It's just. So this was a really good safety class, uh, and there's no shame in not being able to grab the uh, a top spot against guys like Blackman, Winfield, and, and Chen, all of whom have played really, really good football this year. We're going to have some fun picking the upcoming wildcard games in a second, but before we get to the, that, do you have a rookie of the year, like an overall rookie of the year that mm-hmm. you wanted to nominate? If it's you know film, it's Tristan Wirfs. If it's what it usually is, which is like production and whatever, it's Justin Jefferson. I think what Wirfs has done at right tackle as a rookie is awesome, absolutely man. bananas. Yeah. But uh, I don't think that an offensive tackle is going to get the award. No, I don't, I, I don't think so either. And for this podcast, whoever you were going to nominate between Justin Jefferson or Justin Herbert, I really didn't think that you were going to say Wirfs. Wirfs has been awesome, but I didn't think that you were going to give him the award. Uh, he would have been like third for me. So mm-hmm. whoever you weren't picking between Justin Jefferson and Justin Herbert, if your rookie of the year this year is going to be Justin Jefferson, then I'm going to say that mine is Justin Herbert because I think that he deserves a massive shout out for, especially coming into the season the way that he did, where it was like, all right, you're the backup to Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor's our guy. And five minutes before the game, hey, you're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. Now you're in. And it was just his, Here we go. It was just his job from that point forward. And he's had a phenomenal record breaking year since then. And so I was going to make it either record breaker. I'm glad that you mentioned Tristan Wirfs, though, because he also has had a fantastic year, as have a lot of these guys that we mentioned on this list. Before we get to the games, got to give a big shout-out to our favorite protein bars ever. Is the people at BuiltBar.com. They've got 18 incredible flavors for you to choose from over at BuiltBar.com. They're great for you as well. Low in calories, low in sugar, but also high in protein, high in fiber. If you want to go check out all the different flavors they have and you're thinking about ordering one, if you're torn between two, three, maybe you haven't had them before, the best part is that you can mix an entire box. So you get 18 protein bars, and you can mix how many different flavors you want to get in your first box. And so you could try them out before you really commit to 18 of one full flavor. But I would urge you, go to BuiltBar.com, try it out, because these protein bars, they are. They taste great, and they're fantastic for you. Use the promo code Locked On. same thing, all caps, no spaces, Locked On, and you're going to get 20% off your next order. Using the promo code Locked On, 20% off over at BuiltBar.com. Okay, we got about 10 minutes, and I mean that. It's a hard out, Ben. Got to be quick here. We're going to go through all the games for Wild Card Weekend. First one, Colts, Bills. Bills at home, they're favored by six and a half. Too, too, too good. Bills are too good. I like the Colts. I respect the Colts. think that they have an opportunity to really slow down the deep passing game and to make the Bills be more of a nickel and dime team than they want to be, but I don't trust the Colts offense for four quarters, even as well as they're running the football. Uh, I think the Bills are playing too hot right now. I think the Bills win it for sure, and I also think they cover. Oh, yeah, I do too. It's crazy for me to think that I'm taking a Bills team that's favored by almost a touchdown, but they're playing so well. They they truly are, in my opinion, the greatest threat to the Chiefs repeating, and that includes the teams on the NFC. I really do think that it's it's the Buffalo Bills right now, and and, and they're playing really hot. Los Angeles Rams, Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks favored at home by three and a half. I struggle a time with this one. Go back and forth on it. Uh, obviously, John Walford, you don't really want a player to be making a second career start in a playoff game against a defense that isn't playing as well as it looks, but is actually still playing better uh, than the Seattle Seahawks defense is. Three and a half is healthy. Uh, I would like this a lot more if it were closer to like, 2-1. I think that the Rams are going to play the Seahawks tight. I think that defense is going to be good. I think it's going to be low scoring. Ugh. Seattle pulls it out. Rams cover. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I would take the Rams in the three and a half here. I just haven't seen enough to think that the Seahawks are going to blow anybody away, especially a team that knows them so well. So I do think the Seahawks win, but I do think the Rams keep it close enough, even, even with what might not be Jared Goff at quarterback. So I'll, I'll take the Rams here with three and a half points. 
Saturday night, primetime game. It's always dangerous. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're traveling to the Washington football team, winners of the NFC East. This one opened at the Bucs being an eight and a, or a seven and a half point favorite as the road team. Now they are an eight and a half point favorite as the road team. What do you think? Oh, Tampa's covering the eight and a half. Yeah? Yeah. So uh, there's, a, of course, when you look at it this way and you, when you look at how Washington's defense all year has really been able to limit explosive plays, like they've been one of the better teams at limiting those like 20-yard plays. They're also one of the higher teams when it comes to giving up like 40 and 50-yard plays. So like normally when an explosive happens against them, it's basically like a drive-busting, game-busting play. And so the Buccaneers are a team that constantly, every single series, gives you that opportunity to have an explosive or a game-busting play with Mike Evans, with Chris Godwin, uh, with Antonio Brown, with Rob Gronkowski. They're playing too hot right now. I really do think that the only team standing in the way, this weekend at least, of the Buccaneers is themselves. If they use all of their personnel to their strengths the way that they need to, they call a good game. Those coaches call a good game on both sides of the ball. I think they're winning by double digits, and I I, I don't think it's close. Wow. That was, uh, I was hot. I liked it. The only thing that scares me is that Ron Rivera is a damn good coach, you know? And so, like, he might he might be able to keep it close. I really do. If the Bucks were to lose this game, it would honestly be an embarrassment. But Ron Rivera might keep it close. That's my only thought on that. All right. Has Ron Rivera historically been good against the Bucks? Well, he. I mean, obviously he knows some of those players on that roster really, really well from his time being the head coach at Carolina. And I just think he's a good coach in general. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's divisional stuff, so it's always been back and forth between Carolina and Tampa Bay. But he's just I just think he's a really good coach, especially defensively when it comes to going up against that offense. Yeah, I also think Tampa covers. But I, too. I want it to be I want it to be difficult. Um, yeah. Tampa, uh, the the Washington pass rush, great. Tampa pass protection with the the speed with which Brady can get rid of the football, going to be able to nullify that. Mike Evans' health is the question mark, but also I don't think they have anybody who can cover Chris Godwin anyway. So, no. yeah, yeah, there's just there's just too many options, dude. There's just way too yep. many options, and it seems like it seems like Evans really might play, which would be really cool for them. Baltimore Ravens, Tennessee Titans, oh baby. Yeah, I'm excited. Dear sweet revenge on a Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Ravens are the road team in this one, so they're traveling to Tennessee, unlike last year when Tennessee played spoiler in Baltimore. The Ravens are favored by three and a half as the road team. (sighs) Everything tells me Baltimore. Correct. But I am fearful. You know what I mean? Like, I'm worried this Titans team comes out and just does exactly the ball for what they did last year. Just blitz the living daylights out of them. And they're a worse offensive line than they were. Uh, they can't play man coverage. The Titans can't. They give up so much stuff in the passing game. Oh, I think Baltimore covers. But, boy, I can't wait to watch this game. And I am nervous about it. This could be, I mean, like, Henry's been playing outside his mel in the past month. Baltimore's run defense is good, but I don't know if it's that good. Uh, I, I'm worried, but I think Baltimore's doing enough on offense to get home. Oh, man. I'll be different than you, just because I'm so excited about this game as well. So I'll go with the Baltimore Ravens. They're one of the hottest teams in football right now. They've got things rolling. They look like the Ravens team that won them 14 regular season games last year. So I know that there are some pieces that aren't there that they're definitely missing, but I'll take the Ravens just because you're taking the Titans because I think this matchup deserves a split decision here. Chicago Bears traveling to New Orleans this is the biggest spread of the week. New Orleans at home favored by 10 points. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, Trubisky just can't. I can't get. I I can't. It's the Saints by 10. I think that yeah, they're going to be beat the door. They're going to beat the doors off of them. What's the total on this game? Uh, I actually don't have totals up. Uh. Here I could put uh, click total. Yeah. Hold on. Hold I please. Forty seven and a half. Wow. So you're looking at uh nineteen to twenty nine? Yeah, about. Man, I don't think the Bears score nineteen, to be very frank with you. Uh Saints defense, good, good unit. Uh I think they'll rise up for playoff time as well. Pass protection's gonna be tough against that defensive line. Bears offensive line isn't great. You can only move Trubisky around so much. You got a nickel and diamond. Uh, Bears played the Saints tight this season, but I, I think that the Saints get this one handily. Last game of the weekend. 
Cleveland Browns traveling to Pittsburgh. Steelers are favored by six. I can't. I can't. I like. I hate picking this many big favorites in the playoffs. It feels wrong. But I. I mean, you, I can't do it with. Uh, 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 but no, Kevin Stefanski. Just. I, I don't. I, I think Stefanski's that a, out. Betonio's out. Richard Higgins. Kaderil Hodge is out. And that's what we know. Alex Van Pelt's calling plays. Or no, and no, no, listen, it, was, it was Hodges. I, I said Higgins. It's Hodges, right? Yeah, Kaderil Hodges out. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, dude, firstly, this game could literally, like, Alex Van Pelt is like on the border of the uh, the offensive coordinator head coaching market. Uh, this game, like, if he beats Pittsburgh defense, calling plays, call him for an interview on Monday. Let's do it, you know. But um, <laughs> it's, it's a big, big performance for Van Pelt, you know, kind of looking forward to his uh-huh. his career and whatever. But I, I can't. Um, I, I, I dealing with COVID this late in the season, we already banged up. It's too much for me. I think the Steelers cover it. I'm gonna go Cleveland. Do it. Six I would is love too much. Cleveland. It's too much, Dude, man. I will be rooting for Cleveland pole to pole, just cause playoff win and whatever. You know what I mean? I think that that it, that's a lot of fun. But I'm, you know, you, I'm worried. Obviously. I think I think six points is too much. I, I'm gonna go with Cleveland, and I, I hope for them that they keep it a close game because this is. Yeah, it sucks for a lot of reasons. What uh, what's happened to Cleveland over the last couple of weeks, especially this week, where they're not going to be without their head coach, that definitely sucks. So I'm gonna go with the Browns. I'll ride with the Browns for this last pick. There we go. That's uh, all the games as well as the all rookie teams from Ben and I. Hope you guys enjoy that. I know that you'll probably have plenty to yell at us about in our mentions tomorrow. It's back, folks. I promise. Now I'm delivering. It's Fan Friday time. It's been a couple of weeks. We didn't have Fan Friday for Christmas week. We didn't have Fan Friday for New Year's week. We didn't. I, You better have been writing these things down, whether it's in your phone or on a notepad if you're a handwritten person. Uh-huh. You better get these questions in because the demand is going to be hot. You can find the question and answer, I guess, hub tweet on Twitter, at Tampa Bay Trey or at Benjamin Solak. You can hit me up on Instagram as well, at MT underscore Trevorist if you want to get a question in that way and you don't have a Twitter. Or, of course, if you are on the TDN Premium Slack, it's the LOND Fan Friday channel where you can ask your Fan Friday questions. So I'm hoping to see a lot. I know you guys have got some good ones. It's the first one of the new year, so we got to make 2021 special. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft.